This podcast is a presentation of UCTV.TV, University of California Television. Like what you learn? Help others discover UCTV podcasts by leaving a comment or rating in iTunes. I received an email last month from a boss at a company, and he said, Hey, I've got one of your students as an intern in my company. I'd like to learn a little bit more about the program, what you're doing out there. We started talking. Turns out, pretty interesting fellow. He agreed to come talk to us tonight. So as I looked at his resume, I can say with a very high level of confidence that few other speakers or probably no other speakers have been up on the stage that have practiced the art of science, leadership, communication in so many different roles, so many different countries, different organizations or environments as Todd Stone. Todd wrote four novels, not one, not two, but four novels, and then he wrote a book on how to write a novel. He served our country as an army ranger. Thank you for your service. He's a master of public relations, PR. We talk about that a lot in our marketing class. He handles communications out at biotech, a leading biotech manufacturer. Handled communications for the world's largest bank. Worked in Saudi Arabia. He's been a college instructor. He's the kind of fellow who goes out and rides his motorcycle and he's thinking about, how can I explain to people how I can make it better and safer to ride a motorcycle? Today, Todd's here to share with us strategies and insights on leadership, communication. Please give a warm gaucho welcome to Todd Stone. I am told I am being controlled from the control room. So I will assume that you in the back can hear me okay. Nod your head, yes, no, okay, perfect. Okay, well, thanks for asking me to come here. This is really great. This is really an honor for me. And um, because it's always great for me to come back to the, to the UCSB campus for a whole bunch of reasons, not the least of which is this is one of the places that I first visited when, it was, when we were considering moving to California, and I fell in love with it, so I get to come back here. Um, my lovely wife works here, and every time I come here or drive by her, it reminds me of her. Yeah, and I'm a big mushball. It, it reminds me of my own times as uh, a university instructor at Northwestern University and at, um, at West Point and other places. Uh, you got a great beach, right? Reminds me of the, uh, uh, Northwestern's University Beach, except right now that beach is covered with ice and snow. Yours is better. And to celebrate coming here, um, I told my wife, Stacy that we had to have a pizza. So we ordered a pizza from Woodstock. You people got pretty good pizza here. I like the way they, they, you know, they, they took the crust over the sauce. Not, not bad. I may have to have another one. So it, it, my, my, my trip up here, even though I live in Goleta, has been, has been, it, it's been very good. It's been very good. It's been very pleasant for me. And what I want to do tonight is give you some very practical, very hands-on things to do some communication and leadership strategies. And the way we're going to do that, the way we're going to do that is we're going to talk about a big idea, a couple of big ideas first, and I want you to kind of get that. And then we're going to go into detail about those strategies. How many people here are graduating this year? Okay, nice and high. How many people are graduating within the next couple of years? Okay. How many people plan to be here forever? This is kind of a good deal. We'll just kind of hang. Yeah, cool. All right. Um, so 
all of you are going to find some strategies tonight that you can use and put to work immediately. All of you are going to find some strategies you can use, put to work immediately. So, that one, or that, that one. Okay, great. Tonight's presentation is Marketing You Incorporated. Leadership strategies for your next steps. Let's break that down. That's marketing. We're going to talk about the marketing part of that. That's you incorporated and what that means. That's some leadership strategies. And that your next step. Okay. We're going to cover all of those tonight and then we're going to wrap them all together. But first I want to tell you a story. I am sitting in the operations center of Ohio University at a conference table. And it's about 10 o'clock at night on a Friday night, and I'm at work. It is 98 degrees outside. It is 96% humidity. The conference room is pretty dim because we're running on generator power. And inside that conference room, because there's not enough power to power the air conditioning, It's 94 degrees, and I'm surrounded by a bunch of 98-degree bodies, senior members of the university. And we're all gathered there because a derecho, which is an an on-land hurricane, has blown through the Midwest, and it's knocked out power to the university and to the little community, about 30,000 in the Appalachian Hills, where the university is. It's knocked out power to four states. 10 million people... um, over 10 million people are without power in Appalachia if there is no power there is no water because all of the wells are electronic driven trees are down power lines have snapped like toothpicks right the university is without power it's on backup power the hospitals are on backup power and yeah they have generators but you can't get diesel fuel in because the roads are blocked and generators will only go for so long. And the president of that university has looked at me because the leadership of the town is out and he looks at me as the power begins to come back on to the university and we make a few plans. He says, Todd, you are now the public information officer. You are now the PR contact for Ohio University and for the city of Athens until this crisis is resolved. I was sweating for more reasons than one. There's one radio station that's left on the air. There are like four or five in that little area, right? And there's one radio station that's left on the air. And they're answering people's questions because people have a lot of questions and they they have no, no information. Radio stations are gone, okay? Cell phone towers are down. There's no water. The... The... Because, again, the pumps pump it up. There's no electricity. Oh, sure, people have, some people out in the hills have generators. They have five, six hours. In the little town, they bring in the city engineer in that meeting, and in the little town there, the city engineer says, we have 12 hours until sewage starts backing up, raw sewage into basements and bathrooms, and then we're out of water. And the university engineer even as the power is beginning to come back, says, we have six hours to fully restore 
power to the university, or $67 million worth of research goes down the drain. Five or 10-year experiments, fish tanks, they, it's all, it's all going to go because we can't cool it. And they say, Todd, we're getting power back. We need you to communicate. We've closed the university. It's the summer, so there, there, there are no students here. But we need to communicate. We need so, okay, I'm the PR guy. I'll find that radio station work, and I call up that radio station, hoping to give them some information about services that are coming back to the university that maybe the community can use. And I listen to the guy say that, you know, if this heat goes on much longer without air conditioning, the elderly who are out in their trailers or out in their little, and, and, and their, because these people are poor, are going to suffer, and they may be at risk. People are going to die. And the whole community wants to know what's going on. And so I call up the radio station, prepared to read my PR statement. I'll give it to this guy. He'll broadcast it. It'll be great. Well, it's part of the plan. And he says, hello, Todd. You're on the air. What story should I tell? Communications and leadership and marketing all kind of go together in a very, very special way. Leadership is simply communications that inspires people to take action, right? That's all it is. Leadership is communications that inspires people to take action. Marketing within the business realm is simply communications that inspires people to take a certain kind of action. And that includes the whole realm of marketing, right? From product placement and pricing, position in the marketplace, to the Marcom piece. It's all about communications that inspire people to take action. Even public relations right, inspires people eventually to take action. Communications, leadership, marketing, public relations. If you had a four-sided coin, these would all be four sides of the same coin. They would all be different flavors of Woodstock pizza. One with mushrooms, one without. It's all pretty good pizza, too. All of these share one common denominator. They're all about stories. They're all about telling stories. They are all a different form, a different flavor of storytelling. And great communications, great marketing, great leadership are all about telling great stories. They're all about telling great stories that inspire people to take action. Your communications, especially in the business realm, especially for young entrepreneurs, especially for young individuals, all those folks who raised their hands, who said, I am now going into the workforce in one manner or another within the next year or two years. Those communications, your success using those communications, your success being a leader there is all about telling great stories. And great stories are extremely powerful because they do just that. They compel people to take action.
And so we're going to talk about some storytelling, and we're going to get tonight, and we're going to talk about some strategies for telling great stories to three very important people that you're going to meet in the very near future. Very hands-on strategies. And then at some point we'll finish our... We'll tell a few more stories, and then I'll finish what story did I tell. There are three people you need to tell these stories to. And the first one is your recruiter, right? That's the individual that you're going to meet either at a table in a job fair or at a job where you're going to have to tell a great story. And the story you want to tell is that of a potential team member, right? Your potential team member who's ready to contribute at a high level, not just be there, at a high level from day one. That's your story and you're sticking to it. And the action you want them to take is either say, yeah, yeah, you're the guy, we want you for the job, or they're going to pass you along to a hiring manager, right? They're going to take you to the next step. Seems pretty easy, right? You're going to tell them a story and make them take some action. Now, what are some strategies for doing that? Post the right social media story. Who here has grandparents that are still living? Who here has grandma that's still living? Raise your hand if grandma is still living. Great, great. Grandma's still living. What's your grandma's name? Oh, I'm sorry, your name is? Holly. Holly? Okay, great. And what's grandma's name? Gracie. Gracie, okay. It could be grandma because they're old grandma. They're all grandma, right? Everybody, we don't know her name. It's just grandma. Okay, well, as a special treat tonight... I've brought Holly's grandma out. This is Holly's grandma. It's tall or short? Short. Sure, no, Holly's grandma. Okay, Holly's grandma. This is Holly's grandma. Hi, grandma. How are you? Great, great. What? She says you should write and call more often. Okay. Well, what we're going to do is to show you the level to which you should clean, you should Prepare your social media, right? To tell the right social media for it. Holly, do you have your phone with you? Yes. Hold it up. I now have Holly's phone, okay? And I have Holly's grandma. And what we're going to do is we're going to show... We're going, we should open up Holly's social media. So let's open up Holly's Facebook and Holly's Pinterest and her Twitter. What else? Her Instagram, right? What else? Her Snapchat, or Snap, oh, okay. <laughs> I now have all of these open. I have Holly's grandma right here. I have your grandmother right here. And should we now show, should I take this? Wait, wait, hang on a second. You did. Okay, grandma, I said I was going to do this, so here. Oh! I'm so sorry about your phone. I'm so sorry, Grandma. I broke, I broke Holly's phone on <clears throat> accident. Your social media must pass the Grandma test. Okay? If you wouldn't show it to Grandma, don't put it on social media because the recruiter's going to look at it. I am sitting with my lovely wife, Stacy, and we have to find a dog sitter. And we are looking, and we, and we put out an ad on Craigslist in the college town where we were, and I am looking at two computer screens, 
Look at two computer screens. And on one screen is the nice email from the person saying, oh, I love dogs. I've always loved dogs. I have two dogs. And on the other side of the screen is her mugshot for DUI. And Stacy looks at me and says, not that one. And I'm looking at another young person's profile who said, oh, no, I'm an A student. I do all this. And over here is her Instagram of some of the biggest buds I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Holy moly, things have changed since I was in college. <laughs> and Stacy goes, not that one. Okay. And we went through about 50% of individuals who had, were applying for a job just as a dog sitter. And we're disqualified because we, not, we were not sure what activities might take place in our home when we were away from, for the weekend. Okay. Has to pass the grandma test. Clean it. Do that today. Okay. Do that today. Read the requirement. I was speaking about this to the, the, the group that I spoke to uh, before coming here. You should have an idea of what your first position will be, right? It might be marketing assistant. It might be entry level. How many engineers we got? of some flavor, a whole bunch of engineers. Might be entry-level engineer, right? Might be mechanical engineer one. It, whatever that is. You can identify what that position is. And if you can't, the Career Center can help you. But you can identify what that likely position is. And you can look at job postings across the U.S. to see what those people are looking for. And you can compile those. It doesn't matter if they're in Chicago or or New York, doesn't matter if they're in Goleta or Gainesville. You can compile those and you can see what skills and abilities those folks are interested in. You can then arrange to have your own opportunities, your own internships, your own volunteer work, your own classwork, whatever, to get those skills and ability. Oh, yeah, Grandma agrees. Read the requirement. It's kind of like reading the syllabus, only more important. It's kind of like reading the syllabus, only more important. Speak your elevator speech. And you speak that elevator speech to that recruiter. And that elevator speech is not that I'm a college student studying sociology or forensic anthropology or whatever it is. It's that you're a new marketer, a new engineer, a new salesperson who has, who brings to that company experience and coursework in whatever it is. And is seeking a company that can apply, where you can apply that learning and grow. Speak your elevator speech as a new marketer, as a new engineer, as a new member of the business world, not as a college student. You want to send the right visual message. And this is much fun. I'm in a uniform. For many, many years in the Army, I wore a uniform. And it was, it, it was great because the bottom was green and the top was green and the, boot, and the boots were black. That was a different Army. We've gone through several uniform changes. But I knew what I was wearing to work every day. And I'm currently wearing a uniform, right? And you've seen this probably in other individuals who stood on this stage. The open-collar shirt the blue work shirt, the blazer, the slacks, 
some variation of that for men and women. There's a uniform that you have out there as well, right? What are some, and we, as we've people watched, we've kind of said, well, what are some of the common uniform items of UCSB undergraduate students? Like for, for men, right? sandals and, and white socks, right? Board shorts, okay. standard uniform items. There is a uniform of business, especially at the level to which you aspire, those entry-level positions right, in business, those entry-level engineering, those entry-level marketing, those entry-level sales, those first positions. So what you want to do is send the right visual message by wearing the appropriate uniform. Okay. Several years ago, there was a book written called Dress for Success. It holds true today. Now, Remember that the, the Central Coast is an exception. Central Coast is an exception. When I walked in to interview for my position as uh, uh, marketing manager at Biopac, I walked in much like this. And I noticed that the head of sales was in a T-shirt, sandals, and board shorts. And the CEO was in, in a short sleeve sports shirt and jeans. And I kind of looked and thought for a minute and stood there, and they all looked at me, and I took off my blazer, put it on the chair, and said, okay, now we can get to work. And I was okay then, right? But normally, usually most of the time, wear the uniform. As an interesting note, if you go to a major corporation, you can always tell who the managers and who the leaders are. If you watch long enough, it becomes pretty apparent, especially those who are women in positions of leadership. Why? They always wear a jacket. They always wear a jacket. And if they're not wearing it, it's over the back of their chair. So what I would suggest you do, right, what I would recommend to you, is ask your parents or a wise uncle or aunt or someone to help you go get that, that first Business interview in a uniform. Most of them will go, oh, yes, great. Right, that's a fun thing to do. And some of them will even foot the bill, which is even better. That'll help you send the right visual message. And finally, tell them about a time when. The number one interview technique used these days for both job interviews and recruiters is the behavioral questioning or behavioral interview technique. And that, you'll know they're using it when they say, tell me about a time when. Tell me about a time when you used your skills in calculus to solve a business problem. Tell me about a time when you, had to receive, when you received criticism of a project you thought was in great shape. Tell me about a time when you, had to, when you were on a team and a team member really wasn't pulling their weight. Or tell me about a time when you had to use your skills, advanced Excel skills, to solve a business problem. Most of the time, those things they ask you to tell me about a time when, you will see in those requirements that they list in the job posting. So be prepared to, and please, tell them about a time. As a matter of fact, if they say, what about your communication skills? You can say, would you like for me to tell you about a time when I used great communication skills to solve a problem? And they will think you are the most wonderful candidate on the face of the earth. Again, 
strategies for communicating, for storytelling to your recruiter, who's one very important person that you'll meet. The next person you'll meet, because you'll be successful with that recruiter, or at least with one recruiter, is your supervisor, your first supervisor. And you're going to want to tell that supervisor a story as well. You're a team member now. You're a team member. And the story you want them to believe and act on is that you can contribute. You can deliver quality work reliably. And so add value. You're going to deliver more than just what they hired you for. And you do that so that he or she takes the action to... Right? To keep you employed, right? You don't want to get fired. To keep you employed. But moreover, to offer you opportunities and new projects to grow. And to get you fully qualified for that next position. That's the story you want to tell. Now, how do you tell that story? One way you tell that story is through the work that you do every day. You deliver quality work every day. That should be enough. But it's not. It's not. Let's talk about some additional strategies. Capture the communications. Where I am understand that I have in this audience a former Marine. Is that correct? On your feet. Okay, I also understand that I have individuals who, uh, one or more individuals who, is going, who are either on active duty or in ROTC and going to be on active duty. Is that correct? On your feet. Outstanding. Now, these two, all right, we're about to see the power of story sailing. Take heat. Yeah, he remembers. I wasn't gonna yeah. this thing. All right. The reason that I asked those two to stand up is for a couple of reasons. One is that these individuals um, have served or will serve their country, but it, they, they've, they've, they've met an interesting challenge. And that is they have put or will put their business careers more or less on hold, right? In many ways, they, some might feel they're a couple of years behind. And I served 13 years, and I certainly felt that more on one or more occasions. I was a little bit behind my peers. But that's not necessarily true, okay? Because what you get from that service are several things. One, you get the understanding you can do just any damn thing. I mean, the worst day in college is easy compared to even an easy day. The second is that both these individuals um, help illustrate this point. Never ask, I've said never ask an infantryman, never ask a soldier, or never ask a Marine to make a mental note. Don't leave your cubicle, your workspace, without a notebook and a pen. If you go in to sit with the boss, write it down. If you go to talk to a coworker about a project, write it down. That pen and paper is always with you. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you that there will be some detail that gets missed. I am sitting just in my cubicle at Biopac, biotech company here in Goleta, and I am talking to the marketing assistant that I have inherited. He was there before me. And I am outlining things to him. And he is not taking notes. And I'm on item number seven, and I watch his eyes glaze. 
And so I coached him to say, from now on, carry pen and paper. Here's something for you to take notes with. Okay. That communicates to your boss, to your supervisor. You care about what's going on. Then the second part of this, take those notes and calendar tasks and greet the river. What do I mean by calendar? We talked about communications. Let me tell you another story that, that I think will help you understand the importance. I am now in Saudi Arabia in an IT department. And around me are bankers and IT technical people. And they don't speak the same language of business. Moreover, I have Saudi men in their traditional garb. Saudi women in their black abayas. Egyptians and Jordanians. Turks, Filipinos, Chinese, a couple of Brits. Okay. And a guy from Milwaukee. Right. Little, almost many United Nations. And there are two common languages of business that they speak. One is American English. But that, even that's a little difficult because the guys from the Orient used to read top to bottom, left to end. And the guys from Saudi Arabia used to read right to left. The Brits have a completely different version of English. The Canadian doesn't care. The guy from Milwaukee is missing home. But the other common language that everyone understood is Microsoft Outlook. Put it on the calendar. And so I want to offer you to, commute, to calendar your tasks and greet the river. And the river is the daily flow of information and tasks that you'll need to manage. Communicate your intent early. That is, tell your boss, this is how my project is progressing, and this is how I intend to, uh, to complete the project, and let him or her then give you feedback on how far, what do I have left, or what you have left to do, and then communicate progress and completion. The task is finished. The task is half finished. Finally, you, also known as you incorporated. How you communicate with yourself really determines the actions you take and determines you, your success. How you lead yourself determines your actions and your success. The stories you tell yourself determines your actions and your success. Those determine the actions you'll take. It's a story of a young professional who is managing, operating your, you incorporated, your business, which is you, your skill set. And of course, you're the more than the sum of that, but it is your business and you are your biggest asset. Strategies for doing that well? I think there are several. Speak of actions and expectations, not hope. Hope is not a method. You don't hope to get a good grade on a paper. Instead, you do certain things. You take certain actions. And based on what you understand, you expect to get a good result. Silence just and only. I don't want everyone to hear you say, I'm just a college student. Guess what? Less than than 50% of this country has a four-year college degree. What sounds better to you? What sounds more in charge? I've published five books. Or I've only published five books. 
I'm only a student at the University of California, Santa Barbara, or I'm a student at the California, University of California, Santa Barbara. I only have one internship in marketing or I have an internship in marketing. Specify what you want. What position is it that you want? Where do you want it? What is your goal? And then make that goal smart, specific, measurable, actionable, relevant, and time-bound, whether that be for an exam or for your first job position. And then finally, you have a whole list of things to do, classes to take, courses to study for, tests to study for, job applications to fill out. And you could say, I have 10,000 things to do. But instead, try saying, I have 10,000 things or 5,000 things or however long your list is to manage. Because now you're no longer somebody who just has to do them. You're a manager. You're more in control. The way to effectively market, the way to effectively communicate, the way to effectively lead and deliver leadership is to tell great stories to yourself to your recruiter, to your first supervisor. The rest of my story, as I sat at that conference table and the radio said, you are on the air, was pretty simple. Couldn't think of much to say. Certainly wasn't going to use my prepared response. So I said, Ohio University, Baker Center, our student union, is open to the public. We have water, we have air conditioning, and we have a place to charge your cell phone. Y'all come on down. And then I hung up the phone, terrified. That's my story. The rest of this is your story. Please tell it well. Thank you very much. Hi, thank you. That was great. Some really good points there. People pick up on some good pointers there for things to do. Really good. A little different than a lot of the speakers we have come in, but he gave some real actionable things, so thanks for your generosity of spirit sharing those with us. You're welcome. I've got a couple of questions for you, and then we're going to have some questions from the audience. One of the things that comes up a lot, and it really relates to what you're talking about and the position that you're in, we have a lot of students here that go through marketing classes. And there's a lot of confusion around PR versus advertising. Could you unpack for us the differences of PR and advertising, maybe a couple examples of both? Okay, sure. So the simple way to think of it is that advertising is paid placement. You are paying someone for publicity. You're paying for their attention. But you're paying for a placement in some kind of communications vehicle, (laughs) newspaper, blog, Website, you're, you're paying for that, right? Whereas, and, and practitioners often call it unearned advertising, unearned placement, because you're paying for it. Public relations, on the other hand, is earned placement. Your company, your organization has done something so noteworthy that it's making news. So that, that, that's the heart of it, of that definition. If you boil down, so, okay, so what are some other differences? You'll find that 
advertising will be very metrics-driven, while public relations will be very uh, will be less metrics-driven because it's much easier to manage the effects of advertising, especially today where we have click-through advertising and so on, than it is to measure the effects of public relations. Not impossible, but much more difficult. Advertising may be much more product-oriented. Right? We're going to sell these widgets. We're going to get these widgets out the door. Whereas public relations is much more, we want to keep, we want a favorable impression of this organization. The final difference in my experience, having kind of worn the, all those hats is, is that an advertising more often goes according to plan. You have an advertising plan, you have a budget, you get designers involved, you, deliver, you develop a message and you put that message out there, and that's, that's very company-driven. Public relations can also be company-driven, right? We're going to have these events, uh, we're going to engage the community, but public relations also has a very reactive component that has to deal with reputation management, with managing the bad news or the perceived bad news. Right? So there's a, um, and a key part of public relations becomes crisis communications management, where something has gone terribly wrong or perceived to have gone terribly wrong, and the communicators have to manage, use, the public relations individual have to use communications to manage the, the level of reputation of the company. The Tylenol poisoning scare many years ago is an ideal um, example. Currently, um, there are any number of examples where something has gone wrong and public relations has to react to that news in a way that keeps the most positive, um, the company's reputation the most positive light. Mm -hmm. BP oil spill. BP oil spill, the recent spill um, here in Goleta, mm -hmm. all of those things where public relations managers really earn their bread and butter. Mm -hmm. um, actually, my experience in, in crisis management at Ohio University was just that sort of public relations is to maintain the, where we had to maintain the reputation of the university during a time of regional crisis. Mm -hmm. That leads into another topic. What would you say the differences between marketing and marketing communications or marketing and communications. Okay, sure. So marketing and marketing communications is a piece of marketing. When you look at marketing overall, that includes things like what products are we going to develop? What, what features are they going to have? How are we going to position them in the marketplace against our competition? What price are we going to charge? What level of support are we going to have of these products? Is this product financially viable? And there's a whole series of calculations that go into that to say, should we spend the money developing and, and uh, marketing this product and promoting this product? Or should we just invest that money someplace else? Right? Is it, is it going to make, and there, there, again, a whole series of calculations that, that go into that. That's the whole marketing piece. And that includes the marketing analytics. This is how well is our message being received? Um, to what degree are we bringing in new customers and converting those potential new customers into actual sales and so on? We have much better tools now than we had when I started for, for seeing that process moving along. The marketing <coughs> communications piece is a necessary must-have piece, and it's the piece we normally think of, of the brochures and the emails and the advertising, um, the, product the product placement in movies, 
the trade shows, all of those are the marketing communication piece, but they're a subset. Um, I tell people that I moved from marketing communications to marketing the day I moved out of Microsoft Word and into Excel. Got it. Public speaking is challenging. You did a great job. Thank you. Uh, and you, you teach public speaking, communication. You gave us some pointers. What's a good way for these students, maybe some techniques for them to prepare for presentations and to get rid of the butterflies? So, first of all, on the top two fears in America are snakes, number one. Everybody's afraid of snakes. And the number two fear in America is public speaking. Most people would rather have the snake. And so how do you get rid of the butterflies? And the thing I respond to people is you don't. Every time that I sat up here, came up on a stage, every time I got in front of a classroom, every time I gave a seminar, there's something in here that's a little bit nervous. There's something in there that says, you're going to bomb, things are going to be horrible, the roof's going to fall in, somebody's going to die in the audience, it's just not going to work. My daughter is a performer, and she asked me the same question, because she said, before I go on stage, I get nervous. How do I get over it? And I said, you don't. What you do is you rehearse, and you do it anyway. Do you ever think snakes might fall out of the roof? I had... I won't say I had a presentation that bad, but close! That's good. Then you get both fears in there. So... You've been in the government sector, you've been in the corporate sector, you've worked for a university, which quasi-government. What are a couple of the differences? These students are going to be graduating here pretty soon, some of them in June. What are some differences they should consider as they're looking at jobs in one of those? So they're, they're, they're all organizations are the same in that they have some challenge, and they will hire one of these young people to solve that cha- to meet that challenge, to solve a problem, right? Nobody, there's not an organization, public sector or private sector, um, large or small, that hires somebody because oh, everything's going great. We got no, no, our marketing's going super. We're going to hire another marketer. They do that to solve a problem. In my experience, um, there are different rewards in different sectors. In the corporation, you have more. Uh, especially a global corporation, you may have more opportunities to move laterally within the corporation and travel overseas. And you'll certainly to work, learn to work in that corporate environment. That's um, a very structured environment, and so you're going to progress at whatever rate the, the corporation has. Small businesses, you wear a little, everybody wears a lot of hats. There's no place to hide, but you can be a very big fish in a very small pond. There's the opportunity to shine. In the public sector, there's the opportunity to know that you are making a difference in serving a greater good, even if that means you're filing forms or fighting budget woes or doing your daily job. You're still contributing to making society in a better place through a mechanism that uh, sometimes cumbersome, sometimes slow, but still making society a better place. And that has some value to it. Mm-hmm. 
way you contacted us originally, you had one of our students working as an intern at Biopack, and I'm sure some of the students here want to find out about opportunities. Are sure. you looking for interns? At so Biopac? we're always looking for great interns. Okay, we have very we have limited spaces. We're always looking for great interns. If you're around during the summer, by all means, reach out. We look for marketing interns. We look for engineering interns. We um, we look for sales interns. We look for bright young people who are aggressive, who want to learn, and have some of the skill sets, have some experience in the skill sets that we're looking for, marketing, sales, engineering, um, and so on. We, are, we have, a, again, an intern that attended this course, now working for us. Alex has a background in biology and chemistry and is now working in the marketing department because he wanted to understand more about the... Um, <clears throat> the potential business side of running a business. Uh, my interns don't get coffee, right? Mm-hmm. We, have a, we have a program and we have a, a series of tasks that they'll complete. And while uh, I think we're probably solid for the rest of this particular quarter, if you're around during the summer, you're around next year, reach out. Great. So anybody interested, email me and I'll put you in touch with Todd. Now we're going to cut to some student questions here. We've got... Um, All right. Uh, I wanted to ask, what are the major differences between marketing and communication approaches to the domestic and international markets, especially in places you've worked in, such as Saudi Arabia? Okay. Um, The only major difference, there are two major differences. If you're marketing, uh, doing marketing communications work in the U.S. and and overseas. They're they're really, it boils down to two major differences. One is, what are the regulatory differences? Certain countries in in the EU prohibit things like, and Canada prohibit, the kind of aggressive email marketing that a company might do. So you have to understand what what is allowed and what isn't. In Europe, for example, in the UK, um, you can't do medical, I I don't think you do direct pharmaceutical sales to doctors. That's prohibited. So certain countries have prohibitions. The other considerations is what are the cultural norms, okay? What images, what languages work well in Mexico as opposed to India, as opposed to China, as opposed to the U.S. And English does not directly translate. One of the best stories is of the Chevy Nova. I know you're going to say that. Because I drove one. In Mexico, Novas translated literally is won't go. So, again, paying attention to what's, what, what are the cultural norms. Okay? Clearly in different, and, and you have to be careful, right? Clearly in different parts of the world, this has various meanings, some of them seen. So those, those are the two major differences in marketing communications. But in terms of appeal to, you know, uh, what do people want in terms of service or value in a given product, that cuts across cultural lines. Once you understand what the target market in that country is after and who you're trying to sell to, then those things are, remain important. The National Bank of Saudi Arabia advertised low rates, advertised easy financing. Advertised personalized service. Looked very similar to an American bank's commercials. So the benefits, the target market are similar, but 
the way you communicate it and the messaging is exactly. different. One because of regulatory issues, one because of cultural issues. Next question. Thanks for the talk tonight. Um, my question for you is, um, what level of scientific knowledge do you need to do your position? And um, did you have to undergo extensive external learning in order to be acquainted to that level? And do you collaborate directly with the scientists or lab workers to improve marketing efficacy? So the answer is, uh, in reverse order, is yes. I work closely with the engineers who design our products. I work closely with the engineers who design our products um, based on customer feedback, based on what we see in the marketplace, to make those products better. To ask, to answer what level of technical understanding that I need in order to work for a biotech company, um, I don't have a degree in physiology or biology or chemistry. My Mm -hmm. undergraduate degree is in policy and administration, and my graduate degree is in English. What I could bring to that company is a knowledge of how to address the marketing challenges that they had. And then you learn. And I spent, I spent quite a few hours burning the midnight oil, understanding some basic principles, so that of our, not just of our products, but of the science behind it, so that I could speak intelligently uh, both to the people within the company and to our customers. Other than degrees such as engineering degrees and vocational degrees, doctor, lawyer, most students who graduate with a degree in something don't go into that exact field. They go into different fields. So it's good to have the background but be open to new opportunities. So a lot of times through your experience and your work skills, you get new positions and new responsibilities. Next question. Thanks for the talk tonight. Getting into the arena of marketing can be difficult when many companies now want communications or business majors. How did you get into such jobs, and what would you recommend for college students aspiring to earn jobs in the marketing arena to do? So let me go to the last part first, because that's the, that's the action step. So let me go to the action step. And what I would strongly suggest to, you, to your students is that if you want to get into marketing, um, it's difficult to make a big jump, right, to go from chemistry student to marketing specialist or marketing assistant. So you have to plan that transition. Again, look for the skills. I would suggest to them that you look, they look for the skills that are inherent in the jobs of marketing assistant, marketing coordinator, marketing specialist. And you can see those advertised across the country on job boards. And then look for opportunities to practice those kinds of skills. That can be in student government. That can be in nonprofits. That can be in student organizations. I would strongly recommend they compete heavily for, for internships, mm-hmm. right? So that they make the transition, right? So you can then go to that recruiter and then go to that recruiter and say, I have some experience in doing this or this or this. Good practical advice. What ties did you make between the profession of internal communication and uh, marketing? That what helped you make the transition between the two careers, and what? Uh, how would you find that would help a leader better manage the two fields, and to find out how closely related the two departments should be? You know, it's interesting because uh, when it comes to internal communications, there's not a 
a major corporate excuse me, entity that is really sure, nor is the field, where it should live. Should it live in HR? Should it live in marketing? Should it live independently? Where, where should that be? And the key for internal communications and marketing is for them to be both aligned around the same value propositions for the customer and for the employee base. So the same core values and the same messages need to go to both. Slightly tuned because they're slightly different audiences. If you can do that, if you can have that brand represented to both audiences, internal and external, in a way that's important to both audiences, then you have very tightly aligned communications and you have a, a, an organ, and two plus two will equal five or six because now each one of your employees becomes a brand ambassador. Mm-hmm. Next question. Hello, thank you for coming out tonight. Um, my question is, is there one recurring pro- mistake that you see companies, organizations continuously make specifically dealing with communication between departments and what's your approach towards solving that problem? So, especially in the in private sector, organizations have been around for a long time. Uh, I think more so there. We tend to see the silo effect, and that everyone understands their little piece of the the pie, their silo, their piece of the business, but doesn't reach out to see um, how it affects another piece of the business. We see that less and less in corporate America because we see a marketing culture kind of infusing. Um, infusing these large organizations. And because corporate America has learned that these departments have to talk to each other in order to make a profit, in order to be competitive. So, especially in engineering-driven, some public sector institutions that have been around for a while, or companies that have had a, a long history without a lot of steady growth, small businesses, you'll tend to see that, that siloization, uh, that lack of cross-communication. And if, as a leader, you, you do what you can to, um, to make, that, make that communication happen. Let me give you an example. I had a team that had several different pieces. that had a technical piece, documentation piece, several different pieces. And, they didn't, and, and what each of them did affected each one another, but there was no driving driver to have them communicate. And so part of our standing meetings was to share what you were working on and you had to share what impact that might have on the other members of the team. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was kind of SOP for some of my meetings. I put, that was also part of their annual evaluation. So there was some skin in the game as to how well they did it. So that siloization, the siloed messaging or that, that, that siloed set of concern, probably the biggest problem that I think any large organization faces. Mm-hmm. SOP, Standard Operating Procedure. Next question. Good evening, sir. My name is Max Peck. I'm a third-year communication major. Uh, myself, I'm also an infantry service member. So my question to you is, uh, concerning you were uh, an SF operator, um, how much of a head start do you believe that your service gave you, and how were you able to translate those skills that you learned and market yourself in the business world? Thank you. Um, just to make sure everybody's clear, I was able to attend the United States Army's Rangers Airborne School and Ranger School in 1978, earned my airborne wings, earned my Ranger tab. Uh, the Army then said, son, you volunteered for um, Special Forces and you volunteered for the Ranger Regiment. 
So we're going, because you volunteered for those and because you're completely qualified, what we're going to do is send you to a mechanized unit in Germany and welcome to the United States Army. What, so really, it's what, did the, what did mili- does military service give you, right? Um, and how does that put you ahead? In strict years, it doesn't, right? My peers, some, many of my peers built their careers, their civilian careers, while I spent 10, 13 years in, in the service. And then I started out. And I was fortunate not to start in the mailroom, but it was the office next to it. What it did give me was the confidence that, that I could do anything, right? That no day in the office, no task was too difficult. It gave me an understanding of my own self-discipline and the discipline needed to complete many tasks. It made me understand that leadership isn't just hollering out orders. And you would think that, well, in the Army or in the Marine Corps or in the service, that's true. No, it's not. It's really influencing people mm-hmm. to do what you want them to do. <clears throat> Certainly gave me an understanding of a sense of urgency and an understanding of what it's like to be depended on. Right? And I translated those. Um, and it gave me a sense that I had done something significant and I was proud of it, and I was confident that I could do something else significant in a business environment. Todd, thanks so much for your time tonight. Thank you. We appreciate it's an honor. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.